Our scripture reading today is Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? They answered, because no one hired us. He then said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each of them received also a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the ones who were hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So we hear this scripture, this story today, of a guy who has a field full of grapes, and uh, he needs them harvested. They're coming on strong. Things are good. It's been a good rainy season. He goes down to Home Depot. There's about 25 guys hanging down there, right? And he grabs five of them. It says, you guys, come, I'll pay you, I'll pay you minimum wage if you come and work in my, in my field. A denarii is about, uh, is about a day's wages, uh, what the minimum it was to live on, to support a, a small family, uh, to have enough to live each day. Had to have about a denarii a day, right? So that was minimum wage. I'll pay you minimum wage if you come and you work all day. Day, I'll pay you at the end of the day. So they get out there and they start harvesting grapes, and and he thinks he the master is watching a little bit, and he thinks you know what we could use some more work here. We got things aren't going fast enough. So he goes down, and he gets five more. A couple hours later, he says, "Hey, you guys, I'll pay you minimum wage if you come. I'll pay. I'll give you what's right. Come on down and pick some grapes." And then around noon, he's realizing that they're you know the folks are are getting a little tired. It'd be a lot easier if we had more people. So he goes down to Home Depot again. He grabs a couple of uh, he grabs five guys who've been waiting there all day he says come on down and and uh, uh work in my vineyard we got a lot of stuff doing does it again later on pretty soon he's got like 25 people all working out in the in the field and at the end of the day he's so pleased they did such a great job at the end of the day the guy gives the guy the first group gives them a day's wage but then strangely what happens next is he gives a second group the same amount of money. He gives a third group the same amount of money. And those guys who came right at the last only worked for an hour, he gave them the same amount of money. Well, I know what I would do, and I know what these guys did. 
They said, hey, wait a minute. We've been here all day. They've been here for an hour. You're going to give them the exact same thing? The guy says, well, yeah, I'm feeling generous today. Are you, are you bothered by that? Does that bother you? Can I not be generous with these folks? And I think this, the crux of the story is really in this, in this text at the back here. And I'm wondering what happened there between the morning and the afternoon. In the morning, imagine yourself. Imagine yourself down at Home Depot. This is how you're making your living. Right? You're going to Home Depot. You're probably Hispanic, but not everyone. But you're probably Hispanic. You're trying to earn money for your family. And you're a day laborer. You work every day or you try to work every day. And you get up at 6 in the morning and you're praying that someone hires you that day. And someone does come and hire you. The gratitude you must feel at that moment. Oh, thank goodness. Another day. I get to feed my family for another day. I get to make rent another day. I get to make it through another day. The gratitude, the the incredible thankfulness of that moment. What happens between that moment and the afternoon when you get your money and realize, wait a minute, this isn't fair. How do we go from this overwhelming gratitude to a state of this isn't fair? It seems like such a short journey to that sense of entitlement and that insistence on fairness and justice. And I think the crux of the story, like I said earlier, it's right here in this. I, the, what the, the, the landowner says, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you jealous that I'm so generous? Does that bother you that I am so generous? And I have to say, there is a vast difference between looking at life in terms of fairness and looking at life through the lens of generosity and the generosity of God. The famous theologian Paul Tillich said that when he was beginning his philosophic and religious journey, someone said to him, why something and not nothing? And basically the question being posed to Paul Tillich was, why why did God create something out of nothing? Why not just leave everything as nothing? And if you... What Paul said in response to that was that if you look back in Genesis, it becomes clear that the beginningless beginning, back before there was anything except for God, this mystery who is life, that has life, that was life, that, that one, that God, must have said within God's self, this wonder of aliveness that I am, it is simply too good to keep to myself. I want others to know the ecstasy of being and of having and of doing. And so I pose to you that that God began to create not to get something, but to give something of God's self. That God began to create out of a sense of generosity. Out of a sense of what I am, I want others to be as well. 
It's too good to share. Too good not to share, rather. In other words, this bottomless generosity is the source out of which all creation comes. And it is because of God's generosity. And you and me and everyone in this world are the direct beneficiaries of that bottomless generosity. There but by the grace of God go me and you and everybody. And what I want to say is if we can stay in touch and grab onto that primal grace that marks the beginning of all of our lives, then the truth is that we will have reasons to be grateful no matter what our particular circumstances. What, what, the, young, what the person who were picked up down at Home Depot in this story felt that first moment was this primal grace, this primal generosity that said, oh, I'm alive again for a day. Thank God. Thank God for that. And had they hung on to that all day, that sense of gratitude because of the overwhelming generosity being thrust upon them and the overwhelming generosity they saw extended to others, they would have just continued to say, well, thank God. Thank you. Thanks for this day. Hallelujah. They would no longer think in terms of fairness because quite frankly, life isn't fair. We don't always get the straight shot. We don't always get the fair shake. We don't always get the, the, the extraordinary circumstance or chance. We're kind of dependent on generosity. I know in the United States we have this sense that everything we do is independent and we're ruggedly self-reliant. But the truth is that none of us get very far without the generosity of God and the generosity of the others in our lives. Amen? I think we can acknowledge that. Amen? We are all beneficiaries of great generosity. And yet when we lose touch of that grace, when we lose touch of that generosity, we begin to feel a sense of entitlement. A sense of, wait a minute, this is what I have coming. And that person does not have that coming. When life becomes a comparison and we begin to think that we are not so much the beneficiaries of grace, but the ones who are truly deserving, then, when, then we get to begin to think in terms of what is fair and what is not fair. And we start to look at others. And we start to resent what they have and long for it ourselves. And we look at others who don't have and we start to think, well, there must be something wrong with them. They're not deserving. Or they don't have as much. They don't work as hard as I do. Because I have more. When we know in our heart of hearts that life really doesn't work that way. <laughs> Working hard does not always ensure that you have enough. And being lazy doesn't always ensure that you don't have enough. I've known some pretty lazy millionaires <laughs> who just happen to be in the right place at the right time.
Here's a formula for misery. Do what those favored few who were hired first in the morning chose to do with they, their lives. If they had stayed in touch with the grace that had surrounded that event at 6 o'clock in the morning, if they had realized but before they woke up they could not have made work happen, but it had been given to them. If they had stayed in touch with that, then they would have had reasons to rejoice all day long. And the problem was they shifted their focus from that grace and began the sidelong glance of comparing. They looked at what others had gotten instead of what they had received. And when they began to compare, lo, the sidelong glance of envy turned the joy of the morning into curdled resentment by the end of the day. Boy, what a, what a creepy sin that envy is, I think. I've, I think it's easy for us to all kind of fall into that same trap. I know I do. Sometimes I look around and I start to feel sorry for myself because of financial issues or, or other less tangible things. And I think, man, if I just had this, that, the other, then life would be great. Why is life so unfair to me? That doesn't seem fair at all. I work hard. You know, I do what I should. How come this doesn't all come together for me? Boy, what a, what a recipe for misery to sit around looking at what's wrong with my life. It's easy to fall into that trap. If you want to look at your aliveness in terms of the particularities of what you have, how you look, your financial resources, your intellectual ca capacities... And then compare yourself with the other people and what they have. You will always find people who have more than you do. And you can become indignant and angry about it. You can say life is not fair. You can also look around and feel pretty smug because you can always find those who are less than you, who have less than you. And oftentimes life becomes a game of comparing yourself well, if they have less than me, I must be doing pretty well and I feel pretty good. I'm justified. I'm justified. But I can look up here, wait a minute, I'm not that justified. I, here's someone with more. What a crazy game to start playing. However, if you see life as a gift of God's grace that it is, and hang on to that sense of extravagant generosity of God's grace. You will find yourselves content with yourself and generous toward others. Life will not be about fairness. Quite frankly, you won't care about fairness anymore. It will be about grace. About embracing it. About sharing it. About expanding it. About enjoying it. Having fun. Enjoying life. It will be about generosity, experiencing it, practicing it, receiving the benefits of generosity received and given. It will be about generosity. I'm reminded of a, a story about, that I loved when I was a kid. It was one of my favorite little fairy tales. It's about a fisherman. Humble little guy. He wasn't much of a fisherman, but he kind of liked it. He liked his life. He wasn't the greatest fisherman, but he went out every day and threw out his nets. He had this little cottage that kind of had a leaky roof, and his, his wife 
she wasn't very happy with their situation, kind of kind of struggling with that. But he went out and he threw his net out and he caught this spectacular looking fish. It was all gold and rainbowy scales and I'll be darned. He pulls that net up and that fish starts talking. He says, hey, wait a minute. I'm a special fish. He says, yeah, I can, I can see that. <laughs> he says, if you throw me back, I'll grant you a wish. The guy says, well, you know, you're an extraordinary fish. That's, that's all right. You can go. I, I'm, I'll catch another fish, maybe. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. So the fish takes off. He goes home and he tells his wife, man, I, I caught this incredible fish. Started talking to me. Said he'd give me a wish if I wanted. And the wife says, you idiot. <laughs> Why didn't you ask him for something? Look at this. We, I need it. At the very least, you could have asked him for a new wash bucket. My wash bucket leaks all over the place. A little thing like that, you could have gotten that. He says, oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought we were doing all right. And she says, go back and find that fish and ask him for a wash bucket. So he goes back. He, he hollers out to the fish. Hey, magic fish, are you, can you hear me? Come on up. And the fish comes up says, what can I do for you? He says, uh, my, you know what, it's not for me. But, uh, you know, I'm perfectly content. My wife, she would dearly love a wash bucket that doesn't, you know, drain all over the place every time she uses it. All right, your wish is granted. Go on home. He goes home and there's his wife with the wash bucket, brand new, sparkling white. Works great, holds a lot. It was double capacity, right? <laughs> She says, oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, he, he says, look at that. Isn't that a great wash bucket? He says, oh, yeah, great wash bucket. But what about this leaky old house we have? This thing isn't very good. I mean, you could have asked him for a new house or something or at least fix the roof or something. She says, go back and ask him to give us a new house. He's a magic fish, but, you know, it's nothing off his nose. So the guy goes back and calls out to the fish, hey, fish, are you there? He says, it's not for me. Fish comes up. Not for me, mind you. Well, my wife, you know, she's not real happy with our house. It's kind of a leaky house. And he says, oh, okay, go ahead. You're, go on home. You got a new house. No problem. Guy goes back, brand new house, beautiful. Kind of a split level. I don't like those, but some people do, you know. And, <laughs> you know, but they, you know, it had more room. It was put together well, right? And she says, oh, yeah, sure. This old house, but, but you know, we don't have very much money. I can't, I can't furnish this house. You should go ask him to make you, you know, make you a, a, a lord or a baron or something and make me a baroness so that we get all kinds of money. So he goes back and of course the fish says yes. And he comes, she's a, you know, she has all this money now and all this power and she says, I want, I want more power. Go back and tell him to make us the rulers of the, of the world, right? We want, I want a big castle and all this stuff. Go back and get that fish and you know, catch him, bring him back so we can stop doing this game of running back and forth. And he goes back and he's like, he's like, fish. I don't know what to do. My, you know, my wife, she wants more. She wants to. She wants to rule the world. I don't. You know, I don't know. What do you? What do you think? The fish says, "Look, you know, you've never asked me for anything for yourself. So, but I'm going to give you something. Go on home. I don't worry about it." So he goes home, and the big castle's gone. The split level's gone. He goes in this old leaky cabin. There's his wife there with the wash bucket with a big hole in it, leaking all over the place. But something was different. 
His wife had a smile on her face, looked at him and said, Oh, I'm so glad you're home. I'm so glad we're together. I'm so glad we have what we have. I'm so glad we, we are through in this life together. She gave him a big hug and a kiss, and I won't get into the rest. <laughs> the gift from this, uh, the, the point of this story is finding the joy, no matter what your circumstances. And what I recognize here is that how, how easily we go from, from being content, being joyous even, to wanting more. And you know what? This is such a true story because the more we get, the more we seem to want. I've never made more money in my life than I make now and I've never been broker in my life than I am now. Isn't that true of everyone here? I've never been so broke in my life. What is that? (laughs) It's taken our eye off the prize. And it seems the more we get, the more we want, and the more unhappy we seem to feel with it. The misery that comes along with this constant comparison of our lives to everyone else's. And yet, when we open up to the generosity of God, when we see how gracious and generous and extravagant God has been. When we count our many blessings and name them one by one, what an incredible list we can come up with. And we find that contentment. We find that rejoicing. We find that ability to Rejoice and be grateful and show thanks no matter what our circumstances are. Rich, poor, in work, out of work, struggling, sitting pretty. Finding our joy in the midst of it all because we experience the benefits of an extravagantly generous God. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we go through our everyday lives, help us. Help us to experience the joy of receiving the life You give us, the creativity of that life. Help us experience the joy of connection with the people in our lives. Help us experience the joy of a calling of a place, of a space that is sacred in our lives. Help us experience the joy of being one of Your children. God, it's not always easy and we You know that. You know that we worry about money. We know that we worry. You know that we worry about work and resources and doing right by our children and Finding our way. But in the midst of this unfair life, help us to cling to that grace and that sense of gracefulness 
that You call us to, knowing that that will help us get through the hard times and be a blessing to ourselves and to others. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.